This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Shakayach, the people organized it, and Rabbi Taragan, Barosham. We will be learning Dasas Adibris, the most uh, momentous event in Klai Yisrael's history. And we have to ask ourselves, what was said in Nasasa Dibris? And actually, what was the first commandment in Nasasa Dibris? It's not even that clear. So, many of the Rishonim, most Rishonim, understand this to be a commandment. It's not written as a commandment, it's written as a statement of fact. And the Rambam Sefa Mitzvah says, it is the mitzvah to believe in the divine entity. And he describes it, There is the cause and the root that is constantly um, running the world, which is the basic definition of HaKadosh Baruch we understand it. And then the Rambam proves that Anochi is actually um, a commandment, from uh, the Gemara and Makis. So this actually has raised a lot of questions because it's a logical paradox. You can't tell somebody a commandment to believe. Either person believes, doesn't believe, um, it's, it's a prerequisite, and that's why um, quite a few of the Rishonim disagree with that. And they ask about why it is that, you know, how is it that you can command somebody to believe? It can't be. There's no point to it. Different ways of asking the question. Many of the answers run along the lines of that we're always um, commanded to intensify, to strengthen, and so on. But I'd like to try to understand it in its context. Um, why is this Anoch Hashem Elokecha a statement of fact? It is presented as a statement of fact. It's not written as ta'amin, teida, or anything like that. And it's written as an introduction. It's not written as a commandment. So besides the logical paradox, I'd like to understand a little bit um, its structural connection to the rest of it. Yes, assume it's a mitzvah, has it connect structurally. So a mechilta over here says, lo this is a um, sort of the segue. You know, or in what context was it said? So the Mechilta says, It's a marshal to a king that came into a new country. He conquered, annexed, or whatever. So they said, you know, we would like you, his slaves, his servants said, why don't you tell us what to do? When you will accept my, uh, I guess, when you'll validate my rule, my monarchy, that's when I'll have Xeris. Because if you don't accept my um, monarchy, my rule, then you're not going to accept my uh, commandments. 
so too, Akadish Baruch Hu said, Anoch Hashem Lekecha, you're Mekabal my Malchus, and then you're going to be Mekabal my Xeris. Now, if you look at it a little closely, it is a bit strange. In other words, they're coming and asking. They're knocking on the king's door and they're saying, Mr. King, or however you address a king, tell us what to do. And he says, no, I first all want everybody to say, long live the king, long live the king, and then we'll go with it. Um, what's the point of it? Um, he says, because you're not going to listen to me, but they came to him. So whether they came to him out of a sense of, um, they were scared of him, or they liked what he had to say, or anything like that, they were there. I want to look at this Chazal another time. Chazal say, Bo, it says, Amrullah Avadav, his slaves, servants, however you want to call them, came. In other words, their status is already pre-recorded. This is not a new group of people that said, Mr. King, would you like to tell us what to do? They're, they're already called Avadav. So what difference does it make? So, so, so they're subordinate. My assumption is the king has marched in with tanks and planes or whatever tanks and planes they had and has told them, and they knew the game is up. So, so they're scared, they're servants. So what's this game of getting up and saying, you're the king? It's the same thing um, we can ask ourselves every day in Krishna. Every day in Krishna, um, we have three passions. One Pasha to, um, of Shema, one Pasha of Ayam Shemoa, one Pasha of Tzitzis. The Mishnah asks, why, what's the order of it? And the assumption of why the Mishnah is asking is because Tzitzis is out of order. Tzitzis should have been first if it was following the order of the Torah. So the Mishnah says, so obviously, the order is very structural. And first is Shema which is Mikabel Omach HaShemayim. Then you have Ahoyim Shemoa, which is a Mikabel um, Ol Mitzvah. And finally, Vayomer. So let's ask ourselves. The point of the Torah is to keep mitzvahs. Imagine I'm trying to convince somebody to be Shoma Shabbos. So I can't tell the guy, listen, you got to be Shoma Shabbos. It says in Shocharach, a whole volume of Shocharach. That's not going to work. So we talk about God, there is a God, and we talk about God who gave the Torah, and the consequences, and so on and so forth, until we reach keeping Shabbos. But if a guy comes to me and he says, Rabbi, I'd love to keep Shabbos, I want to keep Shabbos, teach me the halachas. Would I start from God and proving God and so on? No, the guy, he's there. So if we were to say every morning, Kabbalah's all mitzvahs, Hashem, I'm ready to do the mitzvahs. Would there be a reason why I would need to have also Kavos Matrayim? What am I gaining by that? Um, it, it, I understand for the person who's not committed, we start with uh, a, a, a platform as to why it's important to be committed. But what's the point of having somebody who is um, who's already committed? So let's every morning declare, Rebbein Shalom, I'm ready to do the mitzvahs. Somebody who's got trouble with Emuna, fine. Let's deal with it. With, with, let, let him, let him, let him, let's figure out a way for him to have Emuna. But what's the point of, of, of this over here? So let's try to understand a little bit about the broad 
motive for mitzvahs um, or anything. Let's go. Let's let's go. Uh, uh, let's get away a minute from the world of Torah. Let's take something else. Um, imagine somebody tells us, if it's a young boy, young child, a parent tells him, "Don't drink the soda. Drink the milk." So I will comply because there is a, some sort of consequence one way or the other. It, minimally, a lot of nagging, maybe some, you know, award, maybe something deprived. It's a good motive. It's a motive. Listen, I don't want to be yelled at. I don't want to be annoyed on this. I won't drink the soda. I'll drink the milk. I'll do whatever I need to do. And um, that is a motivation. It, it, it's, uh, and I could, I could even say well, there might be a hundred percent success, and that's fine. The next type of motivation is I go to a doctor. I'm an older person. I go to a doctor, and a doctor says, "Don't eat this. Don't eat meat." Now, and I tell somebody the doctor strictly forbade me to eat meat. Now that word forbade me is actually, um, it's a bit of a misuse for the word. It, what, what actually happened is, the doctor informed me. The doctor is somebody who's uh, knowledgeable, he understands what my weaknesses are, and he understands what can cause me some sort of illness or whatever, and he's informed me of it, and therefore I make a decision that this is what I want to do, this is what I don't want to do. So we have two sets of motivations to do or not to do something where somebody else telling me to do something could work. Neither of these two motivations are what we're talking about. Let's go to a third case. And this is much harder. A person wants to obey the laws of the land not because of the consequences, but because he feels it's right. He feels people should obey the laws of the country that's their country. Now, it's a value. It's, it's, it's a moral value of sorts. So his only question is, who is, who is the valid authority to tell me that? Um, so, in, in the States, and most democracies, you'll have some sort of legislative body which becomes the law of the land and or a court that validates it or negates it and so on. So now, when I'm obeying, it's a different type of obeying. It's not consequence. It's not information about, you know, it's, it's not an imposition of someone's will with consequences or rewards. It's not informative as to what is good or not good, but rather there's just the concept of it is authority with a capital A, and a person needs to obey authority. It's a concept that um, we, we only, today we only understand it in terms of a country, and we also, we, we can understand it in a utilitarian way of if everybody does what they want, there'll be absolute anarchy in Bedlam, but people feel it's right. 
let's try to understand now. Let's go back to the Medrash over here. The king marches into a country. His servants come out and say, tell us what to do. Now, understand something. A servant does not obey a master because it is morally right to obey the master. It's not an acceptance of authority. It's an imposition of strength. The, the, there is a whip um, implied or in fact or worse and that forces me. So if I see a conqueror come in and he's got the strength, he conquered the country and he's opposed himself, I, I want to be on the safe side. So his avodim, they came to him as slaves, servants. That, that's a reality. A slave or a servant is, a, is not a status as much as a reality. There's a guy with a big stick who's conquered. So I say, okay, I'm ready to do what you want, do. This king is a very different type of king. And this king is somebody who wants his country to be a realization of vision, of a monarchy, where the king is the one who sets the goal or the picture country, and the subjects obey the way the body obeys the head, the way the, the, the person's um, um, limbs obey his brain. It's something where the, the authority of a king as authority, their picture and true picture of authority was a king. Um, Malach Yisrael is to be obeyed because he's Malach Yisrael. He said, no, I'm not interested in people doing things. I'm interested in people carrying out my will. And unless you subscribe to it, we're not getting anywhere. So if you mekabble my malchus, that's going to happen. So one chazal, which teaches us that the idea of imposition of, a thought, uh, of, of, of ability to impose is not the right picture of carrying out um, what Hashem wants. We're not carrying out what He wants because He doesn't want us to do things. He doesn't need us to put on tzitzes. He needs us for something else. Another chazal, and this illuminates a different aspect of what is not appropriate. This is a medrash in Bamidbar on Parshas Chukas. It says, A goy you know, look at this paraduma stuff that you guys are doing. It's huji wuji. You take a cow, you, you, you burn it, you crush it, you take the earth, you, you mix it with water, you, you spray it on people, and, and you tell them you're pure. So Rabbi Hozakai replied and said, has, has anybody been affected by mental illness in your family? And he says, yes. So he said, and how do you treat it? Well, you bring all of these types of herbs, you smoke them, you crush them, you grind them, you put in water, you, you, you do something very similar to this. So you see, he says, take a look, he says, um, that's exactly the same thing over here. Amalei said, well, it's the exact same scenario. The guy left, and his Talmidim came to him, and they said, him you pushed away with like 
Kahn is like a reed, a small stick. You know, you, you got him, you, you got rid of him real quick. But what are you going to tell us? So he tells them, Kindelach, he says, there's no Tumah, there's no Taira. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Chukuch HaKakti, Gzeir Gazarti, Yatrashar Lav, Gzeir Reisai. Now, um, if, we, if we ask ourselves, the guy got the better end of the deal. I mean, the guy got a good answer. I mean, the answer that he got was, um, he showed him how a very similar process heals. I mean, he basically said, You're, you're, talking, you're saying the same exact thing. And his Talmudim, he said, we don't know. We don't know. It's not. It's not, none of this makes sense. Hashem said so. And that's it. I, I you know, I, I think the guy got the better end of the deal. What, what, what was this? What was he telling this Talmudim? So, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was addressing exactly the second point of what Torah is not. Um, the guy who doesn't understand Malchus Shemayim, we understand it understands the world as being, having positive things, negative things, and Torah as being informative. God in, has let us understand what's beneficial, what's harmful. So to obey God is like to obey a doctor. And we use the term, I obeyed the doctor's orders, he forbade me to eat this, he struck me to eat this. Yeah, we, 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 it sounds like that. But really, what the doctor is a, a um, he's a Google of sorts. You have this, you should do this. You have that, you should do that. I, I trust the doctor's opinion, and I listen because I'm fulfilling my own desires and so on. That answer is perfectly legitimate for um, a guy, for almost all of It is not legitimate for cholesterol because we understand it goes the other way around. Um, we understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is authority, and therefore we follow through because of it. If I can even give a, 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 some sort of parallel to it, a philosopher will ask himself what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong, and if it doesn't make any sense, it's not a philosophy. A scientist will ask himself, what is there? What has been put into nature? He doesn't use the word put into nature, but what is in nature? And he builds his theories around it. And if he can't come up with a theory, it's tough luck. It still exists. So the, the guy approached God and, and a Torah as being informative, and therefore um, I need to present it in a way that um, I can understand how it's good for you or bad for you. We start with the premise that, that good and bad is, starts with Hashem. Whatever it is that Hashem, the divine will is, is good. Whatever the divine will is, 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 is bad. We can relate to some of it. We can actually integrate some of it. And some of it we just remain standing, like a scientist. Some of the stuff makes so much sense. Some of the stuff is bewildering. But we never change reality to fit um, what is. So let's go back again to our original question and let's, and let's understand what Torah is, what the Ten Commandments are, what's unique about Kalal Yisrael's Torah. Kalal Yisrael's Torah starts with Anochi Hashem Elokecha. It's not a belief that there is a God and He can do. 
That's a prerequisite. They're right. That's something which, if if um, if we don't have it, we, we need to we need somebody to introduce us to it. It's not something that will the Torah can command us to do. The Torah is commanding us and giving us the introduction. All of Torah and mitzvahs must rest on the principle that Anochi Hashem Olakecha. Anochi is a form of a very very firm form of I. Ani is the um, the eye of, of circumstance. I, I happen to exist at this time, this place. Anochi is very strong emphasis. It means I am in a, in a very, very firm existential way. God is. God is existence itself. And everything starts with that. First and foremost, morality, good and bad. All mitzvahs must flow from that understanding. The way a scientist a scientist starts with facts, and all and all theories and all hypotheses need to start with the facts. If it's a beautiful theory of hypotheses and and the facts are off, then 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 tough luck. Philosophy starts with the idea, and then I try to fit circumstance to to, to, to fit it. On No Hashem, the first mitzvah is the basis for keeping Torah and mitzvahs is. This sense that Hashem is existence itself, and the only thing, it means a physical, the basis for physical existence, it means the basis for right and wrong. We're obligated to study and try to understand it, and that's Torah. But, and, and, and if we don't accept it, then that's not the type of mitzvahs Hashem really wants from us. So, that's exactly the Chazal. Anochi Hashem alokecha. And the, we come and say, what are the good things to do? And Hashem says, no, there are no good things to do. The first thing is, you need to subscribe to the fact that I am. And just like there is no physical existence and no other existence except from me, morality and good and bad come from me. Once that point is there, let me tell you what is the morality that is me and mine. And following that um, is called keeping to our mitzvahs. Hashem, the giving, this is, it's going to be a very, very unique situation this year at Shavuos. Um, we won't have the Barobam Hadras Melech, the ability to come together and, and have that special uh, feel of everybody sitting together learning. But it's time to think a bit and understanding that we differ. Umas HaOlam, start with explanation and follow through with it. To them, a mitzvah can be explained, and maybe should be explained. We start with the fact, it's a fact. The Shulchan Aruch is a fact. We struggle, and we try to understand it. We may or may not understand, that's fine. But the, the, the Yisod, the foundation is Kabbalah's Malchus that Hashem is, and He's morality in, innate, and He's authority. Once we have that in place, everything else falls from it. Bez Hashem, we should be Zohar again. This was to be Makabal, both the sense of Maimar Asina, Yavakashbarhu saying Anochi, that he is, and we should redouble and renew our efforts to keep all the mitzvahs that flow from that Anochi. <laughs> Yisrael